Desert Diaries. One year. Hello. Arizona calling. So look at that. The 5th of May 2020. One year to the day that I and my little family arrived here in the United States. A year. I mean, first things first. Where did that year go? It simultaneously feels like five minutes and forever. Sometimes I can barely remember my old life and other times being here still feels like a dream. The last 12 months have been joyful, exciting, frustrating and heartbreaking, sometimes all in a single day. One thing I can say, it hasn't been boring. (laughs) So hooray for that. So sitting here in Arizona a year to the day since we arrived, you can imagine this isn't quite the anniversary I was hoping for, but COVID-19, blah, what can you do? I shall have a glass or three of something nice and spend some time with the family. And I still really look forward to catching up with some new friends once it's safe to do so again. I've been thinking a lot over the last few days, thinking back to that very first episode that I recorded for you and some of the things we talked about. And fear was such a huge issue as we were deciding to do this. It would creep into my brain at 3am and wake me up swirling around for hours so I couldn't get back to sleep. It would leap into the middle of conversations about totally different subjects triggered by random words or thoughts then hang around distracting me from the present moment. I don't know about you but I always feel fear and dread in my legs like hot sparks jumping around inside. It's really unpleasant and unnerving and I felt a lot of that for just months before we came. I'd play scenarios over and over in my head. What if we didn't make any friends? What if I didn't get enough work? What if we didn't fit in? What if we were horribly, horribly homesick and felt desperate to come back to England but we were trapped? What if we were unhappy? I can't tell you how many hours I spent worrying about all of this. And how many times I decided 100% we should not do it because, well, look at all the things that could go wrong, eh? Well, guess what? None of those things happened. None of them. Just think how many hours I could have saved feeling panicked with nerves, agonising over the decision. None of them happened. What's the point of worrying, the phrase goes? Because then you just suffer twice. But don't get me wrong here, plenty of awful things have happened. (laughs) Things that have made me cry and panic and grieve and feel alone. But I couldn't have anticipated any of them. None of those awful things form part of the terrible worst case scenario that I dreamt up and obsessed over. Because, headline, awful things happen to us in our lives. Our mums get sick, our dads get sick, our pets die, horrible people come into our lives and are just awful and upsetting. Those things happen anyway. So if those things happen anyway, why not do the things you've always dreamed of doing as opposed to staying doing something you don't really want to do anymore? Dreadful stuff is going to happen to us, all of us, regardless of whether we've done the things that have made us happy or ignored our dreams. There's a wonderful line from the poem, Go to the Limits of Your Longing by Rilke. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. There are times over the past year when I've literally had to tell myself out loud, this will be over, this will be over. You will look back on this and it will just be a memory. I mean, probably more times than I care to imagine, but... Then I look out the window and see a cacti or a mountain or a massive American car driving past and I think, bloody hell, you made it happen. 
You did it. And I can't tell you how amazing that feeling is. And, you know, I miss my dad, of course I do. I miss my friends. But the irony is, I couldn't have seen them anyway in the last couple of months, right? As a close friend said to me this week, I think it would be worse if you were just around the corner and I couldn't see you. You being in America has somehow made it easier. Surely one of the things that this awful coronavirus has taught any of us is that we have a lot less control over our lives than we like to think we have. Even if you're lucky enough not to have got ill or lost somebody in your family or lost your job or your business, it's been a struggle. It continues to be really hard for so many of us. Who of us could have predicted this? I've thought so many times over the last weeks, what on earth would we have done if this had happened as we were about to move? Jobs quit, house emptied, school places gone and then what? I don't even know where we would have lived And the thing is, people will be going through that right now. So we feel really lucky in that respect. I know in that very first episode, I talked about wanting to give the girls resilience and make sure they weren't afraid of change because, well, look at the world. Well, my 12-year-old struggled for sure to start with. She really missed her friends and it was a lot for her. I used to ask her at the time, are you okay? Are you happy? She'd say yes and yes. But then if I asked where she'd rather be, she'd say, Manchester. I'm okay, she'd follow up, if I know we're going to go back one day. And then it turned into, I'm okay if you let me go and visit for a few weeks in the summer. Towards the end of last year, I asked her where she'd rather be and she said, hmm, I'm not sure. And a few months ago, for the first time, she said, oh, Phoenix. And then just a couple of days ago, we were driving to go and pick up some face masks. And she said to me, you know, if we did ever move again within America or back to England or anywhere else in the world, I know I'd make new friends and I'd also keep in touch with my old friends. It was like a choir of angels were singing, yes. But it was a journey to get there. It didn't happen overnight. But now she feels that way. Now she knows she can do it because she's already done it. And that particular fear isn't going to be a barrier for her moving forward in her life. And that's the point I wanted to make. I think for me, one of the biggest issues in making this move was not being able to see a clear path of how to get where I wanted to be. And this is where faith comes in, right? I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about faith in yourself and your innate ability to work something out. Sometimes you just have to start down a path, even if you don't really know where it will end. Sometimes you just need to put a foot on that diving board. Nearly four years ago, I was sitting in Washington Square Park in Greenwich Village. It was just a beautiful June day and the girls were playing and Dave and I were talking. And I just had this almost overwhelming feeling that this is where I should be. I said, I really, really want to live here. I want to experience life in this country. I want to try something new. But I don't know how to do it. That very afternoon, I was in the Tenement Museum shop in New York City and I saw a card and it had a quote on it. It read, maybe this is how it starts. That's it. Apropos of nothing. Vague, right? But it spoke to me and I bought it and I looked at it every day in Manchester and I'm looking at it now on my desk in Arizona, in America, where I live. Ah! I didn't know how to get from that point to this point. I had no clue. But I did think about that day in 2002 when I was working part-time in a PR firm and I thought, I really want to be on the radio. 
But I didn't know where to begin. No one in my family had been on the telly or the radio. I couldn't call anyone up for work experience. And it took me nine years. But in 2011, I did my first show on national radio. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm now not some superhuman, all-seeing guru. I don't laugh in the face of obstacles. I panic and I doubt myself and stress out. And I don't understand how to do a lot of things. But I now do have that bit of magic in my back pocket. That voice that says, you can do this because you've done hard stuff before. And it doesn't mean it won't be difficult or frustrating or it might even be impossible, but... Don't be scared of giving something you want to do a go, because you never know. And then the worst you can say is, well, at least I tried. It is such an enormous cliche that the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? It's true. And how often have we not taken the first step towards doing something because we think, well, I probably wouldn't be able to make it to the end anyway. Well, Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll only get halfway or decide to take another path, but at least we've done something and not just sat at the beginning complaining that we're stuck and we might just get to where we want to be. I do remember hearing an audience with the astronaut Chris Hadfield, you know, the dude who sang David Bowie in space. He's amazing. And he was asked by a small boy, how did you get to be an astronaut? And he told his story. He'd watched the Apollo 11 moon landings as a child from his family's small farm in rural Canada. And he knew he wanted to go into space. He had no idea how to become an astronaut, though. I mean, he lived on a small farm in rural Canada, for starters. But he found out the things that astronauts had in common. They knew how to fly aircraft. So he joined the air cadets at school. They all had practical degrees. So he went and studied mechanical engineering. He discovered they all spoke multiple languages. So he became fluent in other languages and bit by bit... He put together all the pieces that it took to become an astronaut and he fulfilled his goal. It took him years, but he got there. I mean, blimey, his story puts my achievements into perspective a bit, doesn't it? But remember, it's not a competition, whatever makes you happy. And I've said this before, this was our dream to come and live here. You're probably listening to this and thinking, oh, I can think of nothing worse than going to live in America. But guess what? I don't care what you think. I mean, oh, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate that. But our happiness should never depend on the opinions of others, right? It doesn't matter if it will bring you joy moving to America or learning to Morris dance or having a steak bake in every single Greg's in Birmingham. If you're listening outside Britain and you have no clue what I'm talking about, Greg's is a big chain of bakers and steak bakes are, I believe, a real pleasure amongst people who eat meat. So you get the picture. But what I'm saying is whatever you want to do, if it doesn't hurt anyone else, why not give it a go? How many times have we told a friend about a plan of ours or a dream and they've gone, oh, steak bakes. Oh, no, that's terrible. You don't want to do that. I mean, not only does it take some of the joy away, but you might decide not to do it. Or if you do do it, you always feel that "Mm, they think you're an idiot and that takes the shine off it, doesn't it? I mean, they might think you're an idiot anyway, but that's their choice. I'm sure some of my friends thought, what about this move? But I'd already decided by then, by the time I told them. So they didn't say anything. I mean, it's a bit like if you tell people the name you're thinking of calling your baby before it's born. Everybody has an opinion, don't they? Gertrude, oh, don't be ridiculous. But as soon as that baby's born and you say, da-da, here she is, here's baby Gertrude, people say, oh, Gertrude, strong name. 
and it doesn't take any of your happiness away. There's a wonderful story about two frogs who jump in a bucket of cream in a farmyard and they drink and drink and they have a lovely time and they get to the bottom and they realise it's too deep for them to jump out. And they jump and they jump and they can't quite reach the top. And other animals start to crowd around the bucket and start jeering at them. You idiots. We told you not to drink all that cream. We told you you'd never get out. But now you're stuck. You're pathetic. And one of the frogs is so exhausted, he gives up and he lies down and dies. The other one carries on jumping and jumping and trying and trying. And yes, he finally manages to reach the rim of the bucket and he gets out and hops away. So what made him carry on whilst his friend gave up? He was deaf. He thought the other animals were shouting encouragement. So what's stopping you from doing that thing that makes you happy? I remember this amazing piece of public art in New York that I saw years ago. There was a huge blackboard and on the top it read, My biggest regret, dot, dot, dot. And people had gone up and written things like, Not saying I love you not continuing my studies, not taking that job, not quitting that job, not moving to Montana. And there were so many stories in these words. And the vast majority of them were all about things people hadn't done. Words they hadn't said, opportunities they hadn't taken, dreams they hadn't followed. Very few people regretted things they had done. Because usually we do things with good reason. In that same project, people were then given a cloth and told to erase their regrets from the board because you can't regret something you haven't done if there's still time to do it. Life is fast. Get on that diving board. I'll see you in the desert. I really hoped you've enjoyed Desert Diaries. Your feedback and your comments and reviews and notes on social media mean so much to me, so please do keep them coming. Now, I had planned to do Desert Diaries for a year and, well, unbelievably, that year is up. As it is, I don't think I've made a decision yet about what I'm going to do, whether I am going to stop or maybe go to monthly episodes or just carry on as I am for now. As ever, your feedback's really, really welcome. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the ways you can get in touch with me are on the show notes of this podcast. So please do let me know. And thank you again for listening.